Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and the world of sports. Joined by my wonderful friend and co-host Enrique Cisneros, I'm Ryan Marinholtz, and let's get into this. Enrique, how are you doing on this wonderful Sunday? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, man. And as always, you know, I'm super pumped to get into all this. I think we've got a really awesome episode for you guys today uh, with some fun teams we're going to cover and then a bunch of fun stuff over on the fight show as well. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, Starting off with our weekly questions, who will win the AFC North? Um, Obviously, we're going to finish off talking about the Steelers and the Browns uh, later on this episode here. But we put up this poll on social media and uh, it was tied between the Ravens and the Bengals, um, which I think is pretty reasonable. I did. I was a little surprised that it came out in a tie, but um, honestly, I think both of those teams have a very fair shot. And then depending on Deshaun Watson's uh, suspension, how long it is, I think the Browns have a, a fair shot too. Yeah, I agree. I, I think both of those, <clears throat> the Ravens and the Bengals, ha- are more than likely to win the division for me. Uh, I, I I truly do believe that Deshaun Watson is probably going to get suspended uh, a good chunk of the year. Because even if he misses six games, I still think that that's a good enough, yeah, to put you behind. Um, Especially because, I mean, let me just quickly glance. Um, Yeah, the first six games, well, week seven, they get the Ravens. So you only have one division game in the first six, which is Pittsburgh. And obviously we'll get into their schedule later on the show. But, um, yeah, I think it's got to be the Bengals. The Bengals or the Bengals or the Ravens, but I have to say the Bengals because you like the Ravens. You're right. Yeah, no, I, but I think it's pretty fair, obviously, coming off of a Super Bowl birth. They've plu- oh, my gosh, they've proved that they can get there, uh, and the Ravens haven't to this point, you know. Um, and so that's definitely a question that's being tossed towards the Ravens' direction. And uh, on paper, I think – you can go either way, but with that added context, uh, I think it's pretty reasonable to, uh, at this moment, expect the Bengals to take the division. So we will just have to see. But, yeah, we will finish up talking about those teams and uh, get a fuller picture here shortly. So our second weekly question here, uh, you know, obviously the Jets pick Ahmad Sauce Gardner uh, with their first pick of the draft. And uh, obviously it brings up the super important question, what is the best sauce? And, you know, obviously there's a lot of sauces to choose from, but we can only fit four in a poll. So we put A1 sauce, teriyaki, ranch, or barbecue. Uh, Reason being for three of those, at least, except for ranch, is that uh, Ahmad Gardner has brought them up before um, and is apparently a big fan of barbecue, which was our poll winner as well uh, by a pretty wide margin. So, um, Enrique, I'm interested to hear your opinion or if there's one not on this list that is your favorite. Um, personally, dude, I just like, I like, I like hot sauce with like everything, uh, like you Tabasco or red hot with everything. But, um, I usually just mix like a little bit of ketchup and hot sauce together or like mayonnaise and ketchup mm-hmm. or mayonnaise and hot sauce. Like, That's smart. I'll just, yeah, I'll just mix a little bit of everything. I love, I do love this question though. So kudos, because um, it's so funny. And then even more so, yeah. I mean, I think I think of the four that's on here, I think barbecue, barbecue is probably the way to go. Like 
You can argue ranch, but barbecue is pretty good. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I obviously depends on, you know, the uh, food vehicle that is being used to uh, consume the sauce or vice versa. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm a barbecue fan uh, for sure. And I think that was the reason to win the poll. And uh, yeah, hot sauce is always a winner. And there's so many different varieties of hot sauce. Like you can never go wrong. So, all right. With that, that is going to do it for uh, at least this part of our weekly questions here. And we can move on to our news section. So our first story, uh, unfortunately, uh, a sad one. Texans wide receiver John Mechie III uh, was diagnosed with APL, which is a form of leukemia. Um, obviously, our thoughts go out to him. Hope for uh, the best and quickest recovery. Luckily, it sounds like APL is one of the uh, more curable forms of leukemia. So, you know, uh, you know, obviously, hopes go out to him and his family, and uh, just hoping he can get healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very well put. I, um, I was actually when we broke down the Texans um, with our good friend Mr. Gene Cato, um, I was very excited about John Minchie stepping into uh, a very prominent role on this team just because of the lack of playmakers that the Texans have. And um, obviously he's coming off that, um, what he injured his ACL or his Achilles, one of the two um, during the season um, last year, his last um, college season uh, for Bama. And um, so I was really, I was really expecting for him to come into the league, get healthy and then, um, you know, really, really start making plays for the Texans. But um, unfortunately, uh, he's going to have to take a little time off to um, deal with this. And, yeah, thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Um, you know, my mom and my sister have both uh, have had leukemia before. And, um, yeah, you know, cancer is definitely something that affects everyone that's around you. So thoughts and prayers to John Mitchie III and his family. And hopefully we can get him back on the football field as soon as possible so he can um, – so he can make plays for the Texans. But, I mean, it's um, – one thing I'll say before we get off the subject is I am glad that he got drafted before this came out yeah. because, you know, a lot of times in, like, shitty situations like this, you know, maybe that's a reason why he doesn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad he got drafted, got that health insurance that the NFL offers, and obviously as a third-round draft pick, you know, he, he's got a little bit of money now, so he should be all right. So best of luck, John. Absolutely. Best of luck and well put Enrique. And yeah, that's a great point that you bring up is uh, it it could be a very different situation for him had he uh, not already been drafted and not signed that contract. Um, So, you know, luckily for him, uh, that does provide some resources for him um, and at least takes care of uh, his family for the time being. You know what I mean? So not as, uh, as much stress, but, you know, either way, uh, like you said, wishing the best for him and a quick recovery there. So uh, now we can move on to the next uh, story here and some more fun stuff. A lot of uniform uh, or helmet releases uh, over the last week or two. And first one here, your New York Jets Enrique unveil a new stealth black helmet to go along with the stealth black uniforms set to be worn three times this season. Uh, absolutely sick looking. I think we were talking about this. I don't know if it was on or off air. I can't remember, but um, that this would be such a nice helmet to go with those stealth black uniforms. And sure enough, here it is. Yeah, I, I love this helmet so much. Um, I, although I do, I do love our normal green helmet right now. Um, 
this this pairing with the black uniforms just it just looks so good. You can't hate on a black on black uniform. Um, the Jets have never had one, you know, uh, ever. So the fact that we have a completely black uniform, we can be on par with like the Ravens. The Ravens got a sick all black uniform. Um, you know, the, obviously the Oakland Raiders. Um, yeah. Do the Raiders? Do the Raiders ever go all black? I don't, I don't know. Think, I think they've always had silver helmet, but. Oh right, they do have a silver helmet. Do they ever wear black pants? Yeah, they do, right? I feel like at some point they have. I don't think they do at this particular moment, but I feel like that's been a thing. So they wear silver pants all the time. Silver, and then they have uh, the white black stripe on the side. Yeah. I don't know why, for some reason, I thought the Raiders have worn black pants. Probably because they should, and it's just like a no-brainer. Right. It's because I operate off of common sense, and the Raiders yeah. don't. Exactly. <laughs> I am excited to see these uniforms, particularly against the Patriots, though. Because I think Ooh, yeah. I think we're wearing them against the Pats, the Bears, and the Jags. The Jags, not too much, because there's already a lot of black going on in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears, uh, only if we get to, I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter against the Bears. But the Patriots, though, the Patriots are the one I'm looking for because I feel like that black, that all black is like, you know, that black Air Force One meme, you know, it's just like that hardcore activity. Yeah, black Air Force activity. That's 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 what I'm channeling in these all black stealth uniforms like that. uh, It's black Air Force energy and. We got Black Air Force activity coming for that Patriots ass, so I'm uh, I'm excited for those ones. Y'all about to beat that ass. Just come yeah. after him. Uh, I know it, dude. I know it. <laughs> no, but speaking of the Bears, uh, one of the other teams that you guys are going to wear that against, uh, they unveiled a new orange helmet, which we were just talking about off air. We are not fans of this one. It's uh, I think the orange is a little too much for me. I think I would have preferred to see – uh, like a white helmet with the blue C or their alternate that's a blue helmet with the orange uh, stripes going over the top and just flip that to be a white helmet with the blue stripes and then give me a full alternate white and blue version of that alternate uniform. Like, But the, yeah, the orange helmet, I'm like, mm, yeah, no, thank you. I think it would look cool with those uniforms you know, like the dark blue with the orange numbers. Mm, yeah. That then with this orange helmet, it'd be fine. But I yeah. think they're trying to pair it with the orange jersey. Yeah. And that shit looks so bad. It just looks so bad. It looks too orange. Um, and like even more so, the bear. The Bears are like one of the oldest franchises in the league. I'm I'm almost okay with like you remember when the Packers did that. Um, did that weird ass? I think even no. I think the Steelers did it too. But they when they do those throwback uniforms, they like paint the helmet like brown, and it looks oh, like yeah. fucking leather. Yeah. Yeah, I would have yeah. been okay. I would have been okay with that. Like, it, like literally anything. Like you could have told me that the Bears aren't going to wear helmets for that game, <laughs> and it still would have been better than this. Like. That's true. That is that is accurate. Other than the amount of uh, you know headaches and concussions that would be sustained but yeah I, I the, amount of, 
the amount of headaches and concussions are going to be the same when people have to watch those helmets fly around. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Good point. Good point. No, but I, I agree with you. Almost anything would have been better. Now. I do actually like, especially for the Bears, like you said, such a historic franchise. I do like the kind of leather uh, helmet look idea. So, but yeah, those are out of the, the patch of um, new uniforms and helmets that have been unveiled this season. I think those are for sure my least favorite. So, um, but the next one here, which is probably one of my favorites, the Cincinnati Bengals officially reveal white helmets, which we did talk about uh, last week, uh, but it was just kind of a tease. And now they've been officially revealed. Um, so yeah, it's white helmet with black stripes goes perfectly with that, uh, uh, you know, alternate white uh, uniform that they had. I did remember last week that you brought up Enrique that it was the helmet is going to be like, I didn't see any orange on it at all. And I think the uniform does have some orange, um, you know, on it just kind of as an accent color. Yeah. Uh, and so I do wonder if that's going to look a little bit mismatched because there's just no orange at all on the helmet, but Overall, I think it fits at least a lot better than the normal black helmets with the orange stripes. I, I agree. So two things on this Bengals helmet. One, it is the first time since 1981 that the primary color of that helmet, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, will not be orange. It is the first time ever huh. uh, since 1981. Um, and then on a second note they so i've seen like the helmet fully like from both on both sides and the front of it and it has that little uh bangles b like right on the front and that's an orange on the jersey i believe it says bangles like um on their uh on their collar like you know kind of like right in the middle like where they uh usually place the nfl logo i think it says I think it says Bengals, or it has that same B. So I think they literally have the same amount of orange on both the jersey and the helmet. Just very, very, very little, and the rest of it's um, completely white and black. And yeah, it is. It is the cleanest uniform, uh, probably in all of the NFL. I can't think of besides the Jets stealth black with the black helmets. Um, I can't think of a cleaner uniform than the Bengals, especially on a cleaner quarterback than Joey B. There's just, there's, there's, there's not a cooler uniform for a cooler guy. That's true. Absolutely. You got that white ice cold. Yeah. I mean, just like Joey Burrow, um, especially if you spell it with the LSU, like the, um, Burrow. Yeah. Burrow with the, the O-U-X. O-U-X or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Give me that. Give me that 100%. I like Loki. I don't know how many times the Bengals are going to be wearing these next season, but it's not enough. Uh, it needs to be like, obviously not, away. you're right. Yeah. So actually, honestly, I don't hate that idea. Like I was like, cause I don't necessarily want it to be like their primary, but just, I just need to incorporate it more than just like an alternate. That's one, like two or three times a year. Like, it needs to be in the circulation. Well, and I like their black uniform. I like all of their uniforms now. Since they, like, redesigned them, I like all their uniforms. So I can't um, I can't hate it all. Actually, give me a black helmet mm. with orange stripes. Like, give me the, like the reverse look, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, that way you can do all the different combinations because they've got the black 
set. They've got the orange set. They've got the normal white set. And now they've got this full uh, alternate white set with the white helmet. So, I mean, I love, like you said, I love those, uh, their new uniforms. I think, honestly, between the Chargers and the Bengals, for me, are like the best uniforms right now in the NFL because I think that they're so clean, they're so simple, but then also they're like very interchangeable and they have a bunch of different, um, you know, combinations that you can do with them. And so I, I, it's perfect. You got the variety, you got the look, and they're just like, they're not like too um, busy or anything like that. They're so simple and clean. Like, oh, give it to me. Can I throw, can I throw like one, one like, cause I agree with you. I think the, I think Chargers have the best uniforms. Um, and I think the Bengals probably have the second best, but can I throw one in there for you mm-hmm. and you let me know? Yeah. That Rams bone Jersey. Mm, okay. I, well, that I mean, shit is good, dude. It, it really is. We've talked about this before. I, I really like the bone ones. I dislike all of the rest of their uni- Well, okay. Not, I'm sorry. Almost all of the rest of their uniforms. Their home uniforms make them look like Best Buy employees. Their normal away uniforms are away Best Buy employees. I do like their <laughs> away Best Buy employees. <laughs> That's all I can come up with. But uh, I love their like alternate throwbacks that look like the older uniforms with the blue and orange um, on the shoulders, and it's like white. It's not that bone color. Oh yeah, those, yeah. those bone ones are by far their best uniforms. No. I don't even know why I like them so much. I just like them. Like, like they just grew on me. Like I wanted to hate them so bad. And then I like seen them playing them. I was like, those are pretty cool. Those kind of look like a weird gray color. Like I I could fuck with that. Right. Yeah. I think it's like, at least for me, I think it's because it's kind of a unique color. Like we don't see that a lot and it's a, it just looks good with the blue and the yellow. And you got that kind of cream, obviously they call it bone, but kind of creamish bone color. Um, Yeah, those are definitely up there for me. So with that, uh, even more helmets to go through. The next one here, the Eagles revealing a black helmet, uh, which I think looks super sick. And it's basically the same as their normal helmet, just uh, with a black paint. It's kind of still got those like sparklies that the, the normal Eagle helmet has. Um, so it's not like a, just a solid black. Um, and we were talking about this one off air too. And Enrique brought up to me, uh, some fun facts about, uh, the Kelly green helmet. Oh yeah. That, um, the, so when the league announced the rule change in 21 about them changing the helmets, uh, the Eagles immediately try to get the Kelly green uniforms back into rotation. But um, apparently Nike didn't have that color green in their arsenal, which is like Ryan had brought it up. Like, how are you like one of the largest clothes manufacturers ever, and you don't have the Cali green from? And like, it's not like the Eagles wore the shit like in the seventies. Like they did, but Michael Vick just wore these shits like ten years ago. Yeah. So. We can. I'm sure we got the. I'm sure we got the green guys. I'm sure we got the green. We just need to make it happen. How hard is it to fucking make a color real quick? Like that's all you have to do is fucking put some. What is it? Blue and yellow. Is that what makes green? Yeah. Yeah. Put I mean, some blue and yellow together. 
I, I am not a color scientist, so I can't pretend to understand the logistics involved, but I, I can't imagine, uh, like we were talking about, for one of the largest clothes manufacturers there is in general, uh, that that would be a thing. I guess there is, like with um, COVID, I guess there's, uh, you know, supply, uh, like supply chain issues. So maybe that's kind of more what it is now that I'm thinking about it. But still, I'm like, just give us the Kelly Green, bro. Well, and not only that, but like, are we going to do the COVID excuse forever? Like, that's not, we can't do that forever, right? Like, that's not, um, you know, I get it. And COVID was terrible. Lots of people, uh, you know, got sick and died from it. And uh, my goodness, do I never want to see anything like that ever happen again. But uh, it had its day. It had its day. The world's coming back from it. And hopefully we're stronger. And the one thing that's not coming back is, that Cali Green uniform until 2023. <laughs> so, um, really? But I do like this. I do like the helmet a lot. I think uh, Jalen Hurts is going to look sick in that all black. And um, even with that, even with that, uh, the green jersey that they wear, uh, I could see like how that could look pretty sick. You slap that boy on, or the whites, like the all white uniform with the black helmet, could look pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously you think about the black uniforms they have, but like you said, it goes with the other ones too really well. Even you could do the um, home jersey, the green with black pants and then the black helmet. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. I, I love those that interchangeability with the uniform. Madden's going to be fun, dude. Madden, Madden, Madden's going to be fun with all these new helmets. As long as the game functions. Functions-ish. Functions ish. That's all we need. That's all it usually is. We've become accustomed to it. So, <laughs> all right. So, our next one here another all black helmet from the Panthers. Uh, and they will be wearing it only one game this season in week 10 against the Falcons. Uh, it does look very nice. It does look very clean. I'm a little disappointed that it's only one game. However, I do think it, it will be a nice matchup with the Falcons. Uh, I guess they would probably be wearing. I didn't see if that was a home or away game, but assuming the Panthers are wearing all black, uh, the Falcons will probably be wearing all white. So that'll be a kind of nice matchup. Yeah, I agree. I also think that this is, um, I, I probably think that this is the nicest black helmet that's been revealed. Mm, uh, yeah. Just because I think like, obviously, I mean, and truthfully, this should probably be their like permanent helmet. I don't necessarily know why. The helmet's fucking silver, right? Right. So, uh, last time I checked, Panthers are black. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe we just put some thought behind this one and make it their permanent option because it does look sick. Panthers are black. And, yeah, and then make your silver one white and make it an alternate helmet. What about that? Agreed. 100%. I think that's perfect. I think the white goes way better than the silver. Um, but yeah, the black one is so clean. I love that they kept the helmet stripes the way they were. Uh, and then I love that on the logo, they could have tried to do something with it with white and like incorporate some white into it to make it a little bit more like um, visible on the black. But I really like the way it looks just with the, the blue outline of the panther and then just the black helmet, and they didn't try to mess with it at all. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's probably the cleanest 
uh, of the black helmets that came out this offseason. But I, I really am excited to see those. Both the Eagles and the Jets, I think, are going to go so well with the uh, with their respective uniforms. So, yeah, I, I, I'm just really eating up the, uh, you know, helmets and uniform releases. I love this stuff. So, and there's a ton of it going around. So, yeah. um, oh, go ahead, Amika. Oh no! I was just gonna agree with you. Like I love, I love it all. I like, I love all the new uniform changes. Like I cannot complain. Absolutely. As I mean, the funny part is it probably wouldn't have been like it probably would have been like a drip feed had the one helmet rule not been a thing. But since it got repealed, you just have like all the teams under the sun. They're like, okay, now we got to do it. Go, 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 go. So, uh, our next story here, which is uh, just a tiny little break from the helmets and the uniforms. Defensive tackle Eddie Goldman retires after signing a one-year deal with the Falcons this offseason. Uh, came over from the Bears and, uh, you know, a veteran there. Obviously, you talk about that. I mean, you know, he's a solid uh, of that that's been around for a long time, and he just got into camp with the Falcons and decided it wasn't for him. I think that was the first time – I might be wrong, but I think that was his first time moving to another team. So that's always a new experience, especially when you've been with the one team for so long in your career. Um, he just decided he didn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, if I was going from the Bears, who have been a relatively bad team, and I signed with the Atlanta Falcons, who have been a relatively bad team and is going to continue to be a relatively bad team, I'd probably retire too, Ryan. I'd probably fucking... Uh, it's funny because... The one thing besides that that I'll say about this story is, um, and congratulations to Eddie Goldman, all jokes aside, uh, you know, very made it to the league, had a good career. Um, he was pretty decent uh, with his time up in Chicago, too. Like, you know, he, he was, um, I wouldn't say like he was like a game changer. He's not an Aaron Donald type of guy. Um, but yeah, Eddie Goldman will be one of those dudes that you remember, like, you know, you remember when Rod Smith played. You remember when Brandon Lloyd played. You remember when Eddie Goldman played, you know? Right. He would be one of those guys. But um, what I will say is that I found it so funny because I remember talking about this when he broke down the Falcons. And, like, the minute I saw this, I was like, we just talked about Eddie Goldman and the Falcons, and he <laughs> said, fuck the Falcons. Yeah. What he yeah. did was he heard our he heard our show, and um, he heard our record prediction for the Falcons and was like, "Nah, I'm good, fam. I'm good, fam. Say less, say less, fam." He he had to go look for advice from the experts, so you know it's just how it is. No, no, but yeah, like you said, congrats to him on a, a great career, great retirement, um, and like I, you can't blame him. I think that. Uh, from the team's perspective, you probably appreciate this more so than uh, him, you know, getting closer to the season and into training camp. And they're really expecting him to be a piece of this team. And then a couple weeks before the season or during the season, even um, he decides to hang it up. So uh, from that perspective, I think it's uh, just a good move on all parties sake. Uh, you know, he found out it was time. He made that step and uh, gave the money back to the Falcons that he signed for like two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, congrats to him. So uh, moving on to yet another uniform announcement, the Giants announced the return of their 80s throwback uniforms, which they will wear week four versus Chicago 
and Week 13 versus Washington this upcoming year. Uh, absolutely love these uniforms. These are one of my favorites just all time of NFL uniforms. Um, I do think, and maybe I have to compare it. Obviously, I wasn't alive for the Giants initially wearing these, these uniforms, to be fair. Um, but the helmet seems a little darker than I like generally recall those uniforms looking. Um, just like a darker navy. That's like my only thing that I was kind of like, eh, with it. But other than that, absolutely gorgeous uniforms. I do think a lot of people were comparing them to the Bills uniforms, which is also fair, but they look good anyway. Yeah, I agree. I, I think these look great. I do think if I'm remembering the, like, because these are like LT era uniforms. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm remembering correctly, I do think that the blue was darker on the helmet back in the day too. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's my one gripe is that whenever I see old ass Giants uh, footage, I'm always like, why the fuck is that helmet so dark in comparison right. to the rest of the uniforms? The, but, I, I really do think the new helmets are better, low-key, the color. Oh, yeah. I mean, personally, I'm not going to lie. And maybe it just says because it's like they're like tighter and like they like fit on the pads better. But like, I think these ones look better than the old ones did. Like, I know, I, don't, I know that they're the same uniform. I understand that. But they just look better for whatever reason. And I don't know. Maybe it's because they the first one I saw was on Saquon Barkley. And True. Saquon Barkley is just a cut-up, awesome-looking running back. And the 26 looks so good. Um, and also, shout-out Saquon. Shout-out Saquon. Just for just for hanging in there. Just for fucking hanging in there, poor guy. But, um, yeah, these the unis look great. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, it's the Giants. So, uh, you know, I'm good. I don't want to talk about the Giants no more. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like the Giants – hopefully, hopefully – once they get rid of Daniel Jones, the Giants will be on the upswing um, with their new no. coaching staff. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but I mean, at the very least, we'll at least get to see Saquon Barkley pull off some sick runs in these nice ass uniforms. And yeah, I agree. I, I think probably exactly what you said is it's just like a modern reimagining, a little bit tighter, a little bit cleaner than the originals. Um, and they, they certainly look that way for sure. Um, so yet another uh, helmet announcement, but it's not black this time. Cowboys announced they're bringing the white helmet back this year to be worn on Thanksgiving. And I hate the Cowboys, but this is one of my favorite helmets just across the league all time as well. That clean ass white Cowboys helmet with the blue Cowboys star. There's no silver to be seen anywhere. Like can't get any cleaner. Than yeah, I agree. This is my favorite Cowboys helmet. This uniform, if they wear the one that I think they're going to wear, mm-hmm. um, well, either of them, truthfully, like, because they have those Des Bryant throwbacks that they wore with this white helmet, and they, they've they wore um, those, like, other star-on-the-shoulder fucking uniforms that have white in them, too. So I'm, I'm cool with either way, but, yeah, this is, this is their best helmet. Again... Again, and I know I know the Cowboys won't ever change anything with their uniform because of Jerry. But um, like, why is this just not their permanent helmet at this point? Like, right. and also, can we just make the fucking pants match? Please. Can we just make the pants match? Like, please. 
It bothers me so much. Just make the pants match. Well, like, I don't know why. I don't know why we haven't made the pants match. Like, it's, yeah, I don't. I don't get it. It it hurts. It like actually physically pains me. Like, and it's just such a subtle difference too. But it's it's enough that it's very noticeable. You know what I mean? Like, it's just right in that little gray area, and I I don't like it. Have you ever seen that meme of like what Cowboys fans wear? And it's like the Ezekiel Elliott jersey, like the throwback with the stars on the shoulders, like some jean shorts, and like the the white and blue Jordan 13s, I think they are. Maybe the Jordan 11s. Either way. Like a Cowboys dad hat. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like, it, it, the reason I bring that up is because uh, Diego was talking to me about his friend that's a Cowboys fan. And he was like, you know that meme about Cowboys fans and how they dress? And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's exactly how my Cowboys fan uh, friend dresses. He like wears that same shit every single game. And that's I was crazy. like, fucking kudos to him. Kudos to him. That's funny. So you can't forget the little chain hanging out of the back pocket, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah, no, spot on for sure. And then our final. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Two more stories. Uh, our second to final story here, Kyler Murray agreeing to a five-year extension worth $230 million with $160 million in guarantees, many which or many of which are tied to games played, performance, etc. Um, so I didn't get an exact number, but his uh, like actual guaranteed money that he will get, like say he got injured, and obviously it's not going to happen, but say he got injured and never played it down again you would still get the guaranteed money in the contract. And that is somewhere uh, over a hundred million dollars and under 160 million. But the rest of that, you know, 160 million is in those guarantees that are dependent on how he plays, how long he plays, uh, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So obviously good for him. Great contract. Um, I think well-deserved, if not, I mean, I know that when we were talking about it throughout this off season, I think I was always on the train of pay your quarterback early, but I do think for the price, I'm like a little like, eh, like it, I think it, maybe it's a little too early for how much they paid him. But then again, if you break it down and look at the exactly how it's uh, this guarantees are structured out um, and you're only really guaranteeing him, you know, a bit over a hundred million dollars, um, and then giving him some more uh, bonuses if he can play up to the standards that you're hoping he can. Um, I think it's a pretty reasonable contract overall. I don't love the contract, but I don't hate the contract. Yeah, I think the the part that I hate about it, I, I like the numbers. I like the the I like the five years. I like the two thirty. I like the I like that a lot of the guarantees, uh, um, at least sixty million of them, are. Um, tied to like performance based uh, incentives the the one problem i have though is Kyler Kyler murray is the second highest paid quarterback in the nfl this upcoming year right um aaron Rodgers is sitting at one with 50 million dollars 50 million 50 point i think four million dollars aaron Rodgers is going to make and fucking insane and Kyler Murray is going to make 46.5, I believe, is what it says. 46.5 for 
what it is is I just like personally got offended by Kyler Murray acting like a baby, and that was it. Like the drama that has surrounded Kyler Murray in the desert, I think is totally unnecessary and is very, very much disappointing for um, for me. And that's why that's why I don't like this contract because I don't like Kyler Murray right now. Maybe in a another month or so. I'll be more than willing to get back on the Kyler Murray bandwagon. But right now, I just, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of um, of K1 down there. Just, just not the biggest fan of him. And now he's the second highest paid quarterback. But just, when I think there are quarterbacks that are better, I think Lamar's better. But Lamar is about to cash in, though. Lamar... Lamar is about to have a crazy contract. It's going to be ridiculous. I don't even... You think Lamar goes past A-Rod? He's got he's to make more money than Kyler, right? I think it's got to go over Kyler. I don't know that he makes more than A-Rod. I think A-Rod is kind of one of those um, like outlier contracts to an extent just because he's so much better. But like then the rest of the uh, quarterbacks looking for new contracts in the market. Um, but with that said, I, I definitely do think just by nature of the market, Lamar's will probably be larger than Kyler's now. Um, and it's an interesting conversation when you start talking about uh, who else is next in line for a contract extension. You know, you're talking about Russell Wilson with the Denver Broncos. You're talking about Justin Herbert over there with the Chargers. Um, you know, Joey Burrow. Uh, no, that don't, they haven't gotten Joey yet, have they? Uh, no, I think Joey's still got three years. Okay, yeah, because I was like, I like said it, and then for a second I was like, no, did they actually do something? But um, yeah, Joey Burrow's coming up at some point. There's a few quarterbacks across the league that are looking for something, and um, they're all going to be looking at this contract. And then uh, if Lamar signs before training camp, uh, or if it's going to be after the season, I think that that just. Uh, you know, has a lot of dynamics across the league as far as other teams that are going to have to pay their quarterbacks. And uh, maybe some of these teams end up paying earlier than they would have so that they don't feel like they have to pay even more because they waited too long and now the market has uh, raised. So we'll just have to see. But um, yeah, I think, it. you know, with the Kyler situation in particular, I definitely understand that perspective. Like, because... It, it's definitely a kind of a bratty way that he went about it as far as like releasing this whole uh, thing on social media, talking about his displeasure publicly rather than keeping it within the building. Um, he did at least show up to like optional workouts and stuff like that over the op- off season and wasn't like a holdout. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I honestly am kind of back and forth with Kyler, like personally speaking, because some of that stuff does kind of rub me the wrong way. Um, but he's a very talented quarterback too, and uh, if he can continue to mature as he uh, grows, then I think that at that point he would be somebody that I would start to root for a little more. Uh, but yeah, uh, either way, uh, very nice extension for one of the better young quarterbacks in the league. And then our final story uh, for today in the news section that is technically about the Ravens, but it's going to be about the whole league kind of. Um, so the Ravens placing six players on the pup list, among them J.K. Dobbins, the Gus Bus, Ronnie Stanley, Marcus Peters, and more. 
And I brought this up just because there's a ton of teams across the league, uh, especially right now, that are putting players on the pup list before camp uh, for the uninitiated. Pup lists stand for physically unable to perform. So a lot of these players have uh, injuries that they're working off of. And for a lot of fans, you see uh, these players go onto these lists and you're like, oh, crap, he's not going to be available for the season or like or the beginning of the season, at least. You're like, what does this mean? And it's I just wanted to talk about this just to kind of tell everyone to calm the hell down, you know, because you're seeing um, what like Jalen Ramsey on the Rams got put on the pup list. Michael Thomas got put on the pup list. Uh, I think like Marcus Davenport did too on the Saints. Like there's a bunch of big name players that did. So the reason why this happens, and it doesn't necessarily mean that these players are not going to be available. When you're heading into training camp, there's a deadline for them to put uh, players onto this pup list that you can't put them onto that pup list after uh, that deadline as you go into training camp. And so it changes the way that you can um, like, you know, mess with the roster and put players in certain positions. So that way you take six players on the pup list for the Ravens. They can't practice right now. Talking about JK Dobbins, uh, the Gus bus, people like that. Right. And then you can for camp still fill those spots with other players and bring them in without going over the roster limit because these pup players don't count right now. And then when they are ready, then you have the flexibility to cut those players, make uh, space for them, and then bring your uh, players back off the pup list. Um, whereas had you waited, like, I don't know exactly all of the rules about it, but I do understand that ha if you wait past the deadline and then put players on the pup list, it's harder to get them off. Like there's certain restrictions as far as like how many weeks they have to be on it if they can't even return based on what injury it is, like there's all kinds of stuff and that dynamic just shifts with that deadline. So people don't panic. Uh, a lot of these players probably will end up playing by the beginning of the season. Obviously not all of them, um, but just because they're on the pup list doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you should raise the red flags and everything's on fire. Yeah, no, and I and you said it perfectly. Um, the Jets also, you know, obviously put some guys on the pup list as well, one of them being Mekhi Becton. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Jets fans are so mad at Mekhi Becton in general anyways that the minute he landed on the pup list, it was like fucking World War Three, dude. They're, <laughs> Jets, I swear, dude, Jets fans were just like fucking, ah, like they were so mad about it. They were like... He's fat, he's overweight, he's lazy, he fucking is a bust, blah, 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 trade him now. And I was like, dude, take it easy. Like, yeah. just take it easy. Just take it easy. So I agree to the fullest. People tend to um, get their panties in a bunch a little bit when the pup list comes out, but it's going to be all right, guys. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Yeah, it's 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 unfair to a lot of those players, but you know, on a surface level, I can understand the confusion. Um, and yeah, in Mikai Beckton's case, hoping the best for him to have just a breakout year because I want to see all the people that have crapped on him uh, have to eat their words. And I really do think that that is the direction he's going because I I get the and we've talked about Mikai Beckton on the show before multiple times, obviously, but um, I get the 
fan, uh, you know, frustration with not seeing him on the field as much as you would like for a top draft pick and your franchise tackle. But I think that from what we've seen from him, as far as, um, you know, offseason workouts, you know, you see like Duke Mayweather, he's always working with him. And I think a lot of the mentality that he's shown, I think to me, it feels like he's going in the right direction. Um, and that a lot of these uh, labels that are being placed on him, like, like you said, slacker and uh, doing all those things. I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do this year uh, after he gets off the pup list, which uh, Jets fans does not mean that he's going to be gone the whole season. So let's, uh, let's chill a little bit. But yeah, with that, I think that is going to do it for our new section today. And uh, we can go ahead and move on and finish the AFC North, starting with the Cleveland Browns. And Enrique, it's all yours. Awesome. So, um, quick little funny note. Uh, I had totally forgot that I had to uh, do this breakdown on the Cleveland Browns. And luckily, my lovely co-host reminded me that I had to do this breakdown on the Cleveland Browns. But then I remembered that... um, the Cleveland Browns were an interesting to talk, interesting team to talk about, and now they're an interesting t- team to talk about for an entirely different reason. Yeah. So, um, getting into it now, uh, the general manager is Andrew Barry, um, and the head coach is Kevin Stefanski. Um, both these guys, I think, have done a relatively decent job with turning the Browns around and getting them a roster um, full of talented players. Um, I mean, we'll, and we'll go through this roster, obviously, that just like we do with all the team breakdowns. Um, but they really have done their best to acquire talent and to at least they were trying to change the culture in Cleveland. They were really trying their best, and they did it while they had Baker Mayfield as their starter. But then the Browns, being the internally cursed franchise that they are, pulled the biggest Brown moves ever. And, um, yeah, so speaking of which, um, as far as their draft class this year, um, their draft, they didn't have a first or second round pick uh, this year for, um, you know, because of that said previously said Browns move. Um, you know, they traded away for Desha- Deshaun Watson. Um, so they had a bunch of third round picks and a bunch of later round picks. Uh, starting out their uh, 2022 draft class is going to be Martin Emerson, a corner out of Mississippi State. Then they took defensive end Alex Wright out of UAB. Another third-round pick, uh, David Bell, wide receiver out of Purdue. Perry on Winfrey, a defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, was our next pick, which is a guy I like a lot. Um, I randomly looked up tape on this guy because I saw, like, a picture of his build, and he looks like a fucking freak of nature. I like this dude a lot. I like this dude a lot. So yeah. um, him going to Cleveland, I think he's going to be a nice three-technique uh, three defensive tackle. And, um, yeah, I, I do think he's going to be, like, a guy to look out for um, going forward. Uh, and then in the fourth round, they took kicker Cade York out of LSU. And obviously, when you're taking a kicker, just like Ryan said, um, especially as a draft pick period, but, you know, upper draft picks, like not the fifth, sixth, or seventh round, um, you know, you're really hoping that that guy pans out. Uh, Kate York's got a lot of talent at, at the kicker position, 
and he's hoping and the Browns are hoping that um, he's just got an, enough leg power to kick through. It gets real gusty over there in Cleveland, I guess. Um, they're right next to a lake and shit. So, yeah, he's gonna have he's gonna have to have a little bit of power to get through that wind. But I think he'll be all right coming out of LSU. Uh, also in the fourth round, Jermaine, Jer- Jerome Ford, running back out of Cincinnati. Then the Browns took Michael Woods, the second wide receiver, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Then they took defensive end Isaiah Thomas out of Oklahoma. And the last uh, pick to round out the draft class was Dawson Deaton, a center out of Texas Tech. Um, one little note about this draft class is they really liked guys from Oklahoma this year. Um, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think I've ever seen three players from one, one team get picked by one team like that. Well, they um, like one player they had from Oklahoma. Oh, that's true. Damn, damn. Sorry, I had to just throw that in. That that was good though. That was that was good. They did not like a certain player from Oklahoma <laughs> who just so happens to be playing for the Carolina Panthers that just so happens to be their previous starting quarterback that just so happens to be the welcome to the league game for uh, the new era Browns. So that's going to be must-see TV when I'm telling you, watch Baker Mayfield grab his dick. Watch him grab his dick in that game. Watch him grab his dick in that game. Just okay, like by 25. Just after after he wins that motherfucking game, watch him grab his dick. He's gonna grab his dick, dude. I promise you. If there's like a prop bet on this, <laughs> I'm sure there is. I'm telling you, people. I'm not a betting man, but when I do bet, it's it's on shit like this. And Baker Mayfield for sure. Week one of the NFL, he's grabbing his dick against the Cleveland Browns. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you that man. Dude, when Baker gets on a roll like that, he starts getting all confident. Dude, I'm ta- I'm gonna go watch that shit. The minute we're done with the podcast, I'm gonna go watch that clip of Baker Mayfield getting all crazy on the sidelines uh, with the Oklahoma Sooners. And if you guys haven't seen it, please go watch it because it is it is top ten Baker Mayfield moment. And part of the reason why I love uh, why I love Baker Mayfield. True. But getting into their roster now, um, without one Baker Mayfield. Uh, so starting out in the quarterback room, we have the previously um, mentioned Deshaun Watson, who is theoretically the starting quarterback. Um, but with everything that's happening with Deshaun, we're not necessarily sure if we're going to see him uh, play this year at all. Um, you know, he might get suspended, suspended for six games, might get suspended for eight games, 12 games the whole year. Uh, the NFL is still... Um, kind of going through the process of figuring out what's going to be a fair punishment for him. Um, uh, I believe all criminal charges have been dismissed. Is that correct? Have you? I think so. If not, there's like a couple cases that are left, but I like, I think you're right. So uh, all but maybe a few um, criminal charges have been dismissed. I know the Texans have, officially paid um, all 33 uh, accusers, um, uh, at least from their point, from whatever the Texans did, 
to encourage such behavior. They got sued for as well. The Texans paid them. I'm sure Deshaun Watson has um, reached settlements with some of them as well. But, um, yeah, just a very unfortunate situation that the Browns are in because they do have a talented roster, and they had a starting quarterback, um, and now they have a starting quarterback that cannot play, possibly. Um, but backing up Deshaun Watson, you have Jacoby Brissett, and uh, the third string right now is Josh Dobbs. Uh, depending on what happens with Deshaun, they could bring in a a new third guy because Jacoby would be the starter. Josh Dobbs would be the uh, second string. And so they would need one more guy to back up Jacoby. Um, but I mean, randomly Jacoby Brissett just gets these starting opportunities. He's going to like fuck it up for like two games. He's going to do great. And then he's going to flop the rest of the year. So yeah. um, sorry, Brown fans. Just when you guys thought you guys had Deshaun Watson and you know, all of his football prowess, uh, not so much anymore. Um, getting into their uh, running backs, uh, you got the beast mode, Nick Chubb. Love Nick Chubb. Backing him up, you got Cream Hunt. And then their third string running back, to Ernest Johnson. And then the rookie, Jerome Ford, is going to be um, the fourth back there. Stacked as fuck in the yeah. running back. Stack, stack. Um, and if you don't have Deshaun Watson throwing you the ball, then, yeah, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dernis Johnson, Andrew and Ford going to get plenty of touches. Plenty of touches if Deshaun's not playing. Um, and even if Deshaun is playing, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt should get plenty of touches. Uh, Dernis Johnson is a great, uh, you know, uh, running back as well. I definitely think he deserves whatever um, percentage of the carries he gets. Because I, I think that he does add a little bit of a different sizzle than the other two. Um, but, yeah, uh, the running back room for the Cleveland Browns is definitely not lacking in firepower, to say the least. Um, getting to the next position group, the wide receiver room, uh, we're going to start out with the newly acquired wide receiver number one, Amari Cooper from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, wide receiver two is going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones, which... Shout out to that dude for having a crazy name. Then we got D David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, and Jakeem Grant rounding that out. Getting to the tight ends, we got David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. And those are the two tight ends that they have on the team. Well, there's another one, um, but he's kind of like a practice squad guy. Um, I'm expecting for the Browns to find some random veteran fill-in because they'll they'll more than likely have three tight ends uh when the 53 man uh gets officially announced by them they'll more than likely have three tight ends so i would look for a potential free agent fill-in here um obviously fucking kyle rudolph is off uh replacing gronkowski in tampa bay so you know a few of the bigger name tight ends aren't on the free agency market anymore but uh i, I still think there's some talent out there that can be found uh, getting into the offensive line, you got Jedek Willis Jr., Joel Bitano. Is it Bitano? 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 Bitonio, I think. Bitonio? Either way, both those dudes, studs. Fucking studs. Um, Nick Harris, Wyatt Tyler, Teller, Jack Conklin, who came over from the Tennessee Titans a couple years ago, Chris Hubbard, and James Hudson. Um, 
So obviously I didn't split those up between guards and tackles, but uh, the Browns are super deep at guard and center. Um, I, like arguably you could say that they're probably as deep at guard or center as anyone in that league. Um, the only thing that they have to worry about is tackles. Uh, Jack Conklin is um, continuing to rehab from a torn patella tendon, um, and Hubbard has been injured in the past two seasons. And then um, James Hudson's a developmental developmental prospect at this point in his career. So uh, I would look out for the tackles uh, out there in Cleveland. Uh, if you're trying to pay, pay attention to the offensive line, because as far as center and guards, they are locked up. Um, now getting into the defensive side of things, we got Miles Garrett on the defensive line, uh, Jadavian Clowney uh, read up with the Browns this year. So that way he can join him on the other side, which me and Ryan talked about this. That should have happened forever ago. Um, shouldn't have even been a question because otherwise who else is going to be on the other side of Miles Garrett? You got Alex Wright, the rookie. You got Taven Bryan, Jordan Elliott, and Perion Winfrey, also a rookie. Um, getting into the linebackers, you got Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa. Koromoa? That's a hard one. Dude, I, I, I thought I did pretty good on the first two. It's that Koromoa that fucked me up. Um, Anthony Walker, Jr., Jacob Phillips and Tioni Takidi. Takidi? I don't know. Um, sorry, guys. I just, I'm not good at the names. Really, really not. Um, but Jeremiah Wosu, um, a light out linebacker that they, what did they draft him last year, the year before? Last year, yeah. Yeah, just lights out. Just a fucking stud. And what was he like a third round pick, second round pick or something? Yeah, I wanted him so fucking bad. Yeah, well, the the Cleveland Browns got him, and he's been lights out for him ever since. Um, so I could definitely see why you wanted him. Um, now getting into the secondary, got the new newly highest paid corner in the NFL, Denzel Ward, a uh, very well deserved contract as well. Uh, you got Greg Newsom the second, John Johnson the third, Grant Delpit. Martin Emerson Jr., Ronnie Harrison, Greedy Williams with one of the coolest nicknames ever, and A.J. Green. And some of those are safeties as well. Uh, I just kind of looped all the secondary together. Um, But, yeah, um, I think that, truthfully, this, um, this Browns roster is just loaded with talent at multiple positions. Now, you can kind of say that um, they don't necessarily have tons of depth, but the, at the real hardcore positions that the Browns use, um, you know, offensive line, tons of depth. Uh, defensive line has a little less, but you don't really see a lot of injuries from Miles Garrett um, at all. And then um, I'm expecting Alex Wright, the rookie, and uh, Perrion Winfrey to add some valuable, you know, um, substitution packages for him. That's going to keep those guys fresh. Um, and then, I mean, you, you, you would like for them to, I would say for sure you would like for them to add another weapon in the wide receiver room. Um, but I don't think we've seen enough of Donovan Peoples-Jones to rule him out as a secondary 
option right now. I thought he did great in the role that he he has had. Um, and I thought he even developed a great chemistry with Baker Mayfield um, the last two years. Uh, so I think that Donovan Peoples-Jones can be uh, a guy if we allow him, give him an opportunity to. And then um, obviously you have Amari Cooper, you know, who's a still wide receiver number one. Um, the Browns, you know, are paying him a little bit of money now. Um, and they're expecting to pair him up with Deshaun Watson, which will happen eventually, possibly, um, you know, possibly next year, possibly later this year. Just kind of depends. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I would expect the Browns are going to lean heavy on that running game. And, um, yeah, Ryan, what do you think about this roster? Yeah, I mean, great job breaking it down, first of all. And uh, this is a really fun roster to look at. These Browns are a heck of a team. You know, obviously, that biggest question you talk about is just Deshaun. Um, but, you know, obviously, the rest of the roster, that running back room is absolutely absurd. Um, so that'll help with Deshaun for sure. Uh, that wide receiver room I did want to touch on because – so a couple things. Anthony Schwartz, got a shout-out, Auburn. Uh, love him. Hopefully he can turn into something. He's kind of like a straight-line speed guy. Um, and David Bell, their third wide receiver, came out of Purdue this year. Um, he was a guy that I was interested in, and I'm interested to see how his career goes out because uh, it, can, or it can go one of two ways, really. He is a – type of guy that doesn't have a lot of athleticism. He's not going to wow you with the speed. He's not going to wow you with his, uh, you know, agility. He's not going to wow you with his vertical, any of that, but he's a crisp route runner and he has plenty of room to grow in that aspect as well. Um, and so if he can build enough separation there, he can be a force and he's just got like IQ for the game and it's just an interesting player. So I'm interested to see uh, whether he can overcome those uh, physical limitations and become a wide receiver uh, threat for this Browns team that uh, is not doesn't have a, a totally packed wide receiver room. Um, like you said, Donovan Peoples-Jones is somebody you're kind of waiting on to prove that he can be a guy like that, but he has the potential to be. And then other than that, you're looking at potential. So the room is wide open for him. Um, but yeah, I mean... Other than that, love the tight end room, though they do need an addition, like you said. That offensive line looks so nice, especially with that running game. Um, and then that defense looks really, really solid. You've got great uh, edges there. You've got a decent defensive line with some young guys on it, um, some good linebackers, and then a heck of a secondary, which is definitely the strength uh, of that defense. So, yeah, I got to love the Browns roster. Yeah, so like you said earlier, Ryan, um, I would say the biggest truth, like, in more ways than one, is what the fuck are they going to do with Deshaun Watson? Um, I mean, you traded tons of capital away for him, uh, for him. You gave him a huge, uh, wasn't it fully guaranteed contract? I, yeah, because that, that was, like, part of why he even went to the Browns. It was like, you've got to give me every single penny guaranteed. Which, which is fucking crazy yeah um so like i can't say this enough how wild this move is when i think about it because one you know and obviously we talked to gene about this when G we had gene on the show which once again thank you gene for coming on and talking about the texans and deshaun watson with us but um we talked about how how nice it must feel 
for Texans fans for this to finally be over. And, you know, we've heard about it. We've been going through it. Um, we've been keeping up with it for a good while. We didn't even talk about it because we didn't want to. I mean, one, yeah. uh, the allegations against Deshaun Watson are horrendous. Um, and then also on the other half of it, we just really didn't have tons of facts in the case. And now I would say that although we have a little bit more facts in the case, I don't think there's any more resolution really. And I think right. that instead of, I guess, instead of the Browns fans having some um, newfound peace with a newly acquired franchise quarterback who is talented. I mean, me and Ryan just talked about this. We, we were big Deshaun Watson fans. We really were. Um, he has tons of talent. Uh, and I do think that once he's able to get back uh, in the league, he's going to make some noise with the Browns for sure. Um, I think they'll definitely have to add some wide receivers uh, in the next couple of years if Donovan Peoples-Jones doesn't develop the way they want him to. But, um, you know, they still have Amari Cooper, and I think Amari Cooper still, still, I would say he's kind of in the mid to end of his prime there. But um, I think for the next two or three years, he's going to be just fine as a wide receiver. One, maybe transition into a wide receiver two, depending on uh, who, who else you can get in there. But the Deshaun Watson thing just really is so widespread for the whole the whole Cleveland Browns organization. Um, because just when we thought the Browns were like acting like a model franchise, they pulled the most Browns move out of nowhere and um, trade all this draft capital and give Deshaun a huge $280 million guaranteed deal or whatever it was. Um, and... I mean, that's going to handcuff your organization in a lot of senses because, one, uh, now you have paid a quarterback. And a lot of times, like the Jets are in a good position right now because we haven't paid Zach Wilson yet. Zach Wilson is still on his rookie contract. Um, and as you're about to find out, Ryan, um, you know, veteran quarterbacks get expensive, especially yeah. ones that have talent. Um, you know, when that Russell Wilson contract comes up, it's going to be expensive. Um and now, as a franchise, you're handcuffed to Deshaun Watson. You're handcuffed for Deshaun Watson, and you can't even possibly get him to play this first year. So that first year of the contract is already already a bad look. Um, your fans have to be kind of asking you. I, 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 I wish I would have listened to a little bit more Browns fans media, and maybe I will um, after this week's episode. Just because I, I really would love to hear from a Browns fan how they feel about all this stuff. Because uh, I almost feel like the Deshaun Watson drama never went away. We just traded it to a different team. So, right. um, yeah, all, all in all, I think that not only do you have the financial problems, uh, the financial hardships that such a big contract can give you, your quarterback's not going to be playing, and now you don't even have your second-best quarterback, which was Baker Mayfield, because you pissed him off, and you have to trade him away to the Panthers for like a conditional fifth-round pick. Yes. And even more so, you're going to be paying Baker Mayfield to play against you week yeah. one with his new team. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's crazy to me. It's crazy times in Cleveland. You got no LeBron James. You got Deshaun Watson and all of his allegations, and. I mean, now you don't even have Baker Mayfield's commercials no more. So, all in all, like, 
the Browns just took a big owl on this. They just took a big owl on this whole thing. Um, but, yeah, Ryan, uh, is there anything that you have to say about the Browns roster, Deshaun Watson, before we get into their schedule? No, I think you can't encapsulated it perfectly. You know, a bunch of the different angles of it as far as uh, the Texans fans waiting for the drama to just be away and let him get traded. But now the drama has just been traded to another team in the Browns. And, uh, yeah, it sucks because, like you, like you said, we were talking about it off air, and the Browns really were putting something together. Um, and, again, it's not like it's, like, over. They still have a talented quarterback. They still have a talented roster. But I just think that, like, it's such a shame because they were doing it the right way. They had a lot of fan support on board, and everybody was, like, it was almost like the little engine that could. You know what I mean? Everybody was just like, look at the Browns, dude. Like, look what they're doing. You know what I mean? And then now they're just like, look at the Browns, dude. Come on. They're just look like what the they're doing. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know, I don't know. It's it's a shame, but um, we just have to see how the situation ends up playing out over time. And at least the Cleveland, or at least at least Cleveland has uh, the Guardians now, the baseball team. So they, they yep, they have the Guardians. They got um, <laughs> the, the the Cavs got new uniforms. So true. true. You know, the Cavs maybe. are pretty good. I mean, honestly, that's like almost the best team in Cleveland. Right now. Cleveland. Yeah, so see, there you go. Um, if you're a Browns fan, just watch more basketball this year. It's sure. it's fine. It's fine. Um, all right, so getting into the schedule. Like we said, week one, you got to play in Carolina in Baker May- May- Mayfield's new commercial zone. Um, <laughs> you got to play in Carolina week one. And um, like I said, that food is going to be throwing bombs and grabbing his dick that whole game. Like Baker Mayfield's coming for blood, straight blood, straight blood. There's, he, I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers won this game fifty-eight to three, a hundred and two to three. Like um, Baker Mayfield's going to play quarterback, play running back because Christian McCaffrey's going to get hurt, and then he's going to jump jump on the defensive side and help uh, Brian Burns get after that ass. So um, I, I'm 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 so excited for I'm. More excited for this week one game than what's what is it? What's the Sunday night game? Uh, Cowboys Buccaneers. I'm more excited for the Panthers Browns than I am for Cowboys Buccaneers. I'm more excited for Panthers Browns than I am for Broncos Seahawks. Okay. And I'm more excited for Browns Panthers than I am Rams Bills. Also fair. I, so, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. Real quick, if I could throw it in, is, no, of uh, course. I think those are like the two best week one games: is uh, Carolina versus the Browns, and then the um, Broncos versus Seattle. But I think where they differ and why the Browns versus Carolina is better is that there's like since Deshaun's probably not going to be there, like more than likely, uh, there's a leg- legitimate chance for Baker to just go out there and just absolutely ass blast the uh, Browns. And I'm so here for it. Like, I, I just don't think there's a, an actual, like, if Drew Locke wins against the Broncos, there will be a, a total shitstorm in Denver. But I just think the chances of that are so much lower than Baker Mayfield going out or, out there and just beating that ass. Like, I cannot wait for this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super hyped for it. I love seeing a confident Baker Mayfield. Um, 
So moving on from the week one game, week two, unfortunately the Browns have to play my New York Jets, and that's an automatic L. Just it just is. Like it's true. I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm biased. Obviously, I'm biased, and I'll tell everybody that the Jets are going to win every single week. Okay, but we just have a. I don't know if we. Nah, I mean, okay. If Sauce is as good as I think he is, then I think we're okay. The Browns have a very, very good roster. Um, but without a competent quarterback, I don't think that the Browns can beat the Jets. I think we have a competent quarterback. I think Zach Wilson's more talented than Jacoby Brissett. I think that we have weapons. I think that we're at home. I think that we're probably going to be wearing the Gotham green jerseys at home. And I, uh, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. That's our home opener, baby. Like we're, we're, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. We're going to take out some Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson or no Deshaun Watson. But if randomly Deshaun Watson plays, the Jets are probably going to lose, but still it's okay for right now. There's no D Watson and the Browns are going to lose. So um, I got two losses in a row, Carolina and the Jets. Then we got uh, Pittsburgh, uh, and that's in week three. Again, I have that as a loss. Then going to uh, Atlanta in week four, I actually have the Browns winning this game. I don't know why. I just I really do feel like I'm going to turn on the television during week four, and in the bottom ticker there, it's going to say Cleveland's beating Atlanta. And I'm going to sit there and text you, I told you so. Um, then week five, you got the LA Chargers. That's an L. That's an L like a motherfucker. Um, week six, you got the New England Patriots. That's an L. Uh, week seven, you're going to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson in a contract year. That's an L. That's an L. Uh, week eight, they're going to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And that means that Joey Burrow is going to be playing against the Browns. It's probably an L. And then week nine, they're saved from all these L's by taking a bye week. <laughs> week 10, they go to Miami, the new formed fucking speed racers down there in Miami. And they got to take on Tyreek Hill, Tua, Jalen Waddle, and I... It's it's just gonna be it's just gonna be tough. It's really gonna be tough. So I have them coming out of their bye, going to Miami, and losing their ass off. And then week eleven, no fucking mercy. Go right to Buffalo. Go right up the road there. Go right to Buffalo and lose that ass again. And then you go back down to Florida to play Tampa Bay in week twelve. Oh no 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 no. My bad. Tampa Bay goes to Cleveland and gonna lose. You're gonna lose. Uh, week 13, you finally get a break, and you go to Houston. And I do think that, for whatever reason, the Browns are going to beat the Texans. But I also think that because I think the Texans probably have the worst roster in the NFL. Um, I don't I don't know if there's a worse roster in the NFL right now than the Houston Texans. Um, and then week 14, after getting that nice win in Houston, you go to Cincinnati to play Joey B, and you lose. And then you go to week 15, Baltimore comes to Cleveland. And guess what, Ryan? Guess what Baltimore does? They beat them. They beat them. They fucking beat them. Week 15, Baltimore wins. 
then New Orleans comes to town, the Saints, Jameis Winston, and Jameis is going to eat that W. Jameis is going to win in Cleveland. Week 17, you go to Washington to play Carson Wentz, probably, and um, you lose to Carson Wentz. And then week 18, you go back to you go to Pittsburgh this time to play Kenny Pickett and his small hands, and you lose, giving you an overall record of two wins. Two wins, is my, two wins for the Browns this year. Two wins. The Texans so and the Falcons. And like usually, I would sit here and say, "Ah, oh, like this is a big game. This is a big game." They're all games that I just don't see a way that they can that they can win. You can you can possibly beat the Jets if Nick Chubb has a great day. But all I'm going to say is that Derrick Henry put up 167 yards and two touchdowns on that ass, and we still beat the Titans. And Joe Mixon and the fucking triplets of wide receivers they had came into New York, and we still beat that ass. Okay. So we have a better run defense than we did last year. We have a better pass defense than we did last year. It's just Zach Wilson's banging people's moms. Like, it's just going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to fuck with the Jets this year. And then, like, the Chargers, the Patriots, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Miami, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh. Like, Ryan, like, you see it, right? How, how, how 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 do the Browns get more than two wins this year? That's a rough schedule, dude. I and it's so funny because like obviously I won't spoil it quite yet. Uh, but with the Steelers, I kind of had a similar thing where like I went through their schedule, and by the end of it, I was almost like, okay, hold on. Like I've got to there's got to be more wins in here somewhere. Like am I being too harsh? But then you look over the schedule again, and then you read it a third time. And you're like, damn, this is just a really tough fucking schedule. The AFC North is a really, really tough uh, division to play. And, I mean, obviously you're playing against the AFC North, but then they're also playing, what, the AFC East and then the NFC South. Like, that's tough, dude. I I, I can I can see it, especially if they don't get uh, Deshaun back the entire season. You know, obviously I think maybe some of the second half uh, results would change if Deshaun Watson comes back, but you know, like we just talked about with that question, you just don't know. Yeah, if Deshaun comes back, um, I'll give him like I'll probably give him both Pittsburgh games. I can give him a New England game if he came if he came if he only got five weeks. But I think the lowest I've seen is six weeks, so that would bring him back at Baltimore. And like in Baltimore, I don't think the Browns are going to go and win. Um, but then, like, week eight, you get Cincinnati at home. With Deshaun, that could be different. Going to Miami, um, I think Deshaun's better than Tua, so that could be a different result. Buffalo, you're still getting that ass beat. Tampa Bay could be a different game as well. Um, and not because I don't think that Tom Brady can't lock it down, but sometimes Tampa Bay just drops a game randomly. And I can, I can see Deshaun Watson – um, you know, pulling some Cleveland magic off. Um, but then, like, New Orleans could get different. Washington could be different. Pittsburgh could be, be different. So, literally, after week nine, 
there's a few games that I can imagine, but still, even with Deshaun Watson, I don't see this team getting more than six wins this year without Deshaun Watson. Um, if, if if it's Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs that are your quarterbacks, just just be grateful that you're going to have Deshaun Watson next year and the first overall draft pick. And then you can go get um, you can go draft a real franchise quarterback and go get the kid from Alabama. That's true, Bryce Young. And then you just stuck with that giant ass contract. Well, I'm sure somebody would trade for him again. It's the well, NFL. Well, and I'm I'm sure because the Browns run that um, schematic thing that um, they probably just trade the first overall. Oh my God, Ryan. Maybe. Maybe we've been wrong this entire time. Maybe the Browns are just finessing us. Maybe they knew Deshaun Deshaun Watson was going to get suspended this whole year, and they have a tough-ass schedule, and they're going to lose their ass with Jacoby Brissett, and they have a roster that's right there on the cusp, and they traded away Baker Mayfield, so you don't have to pay Baker Mayfield. And you did already pay Deshaun Watson, so you have Deshaun Watson all taken care of. You have the rest of your roster already taken care of, and now you're probably going to get a top five pick next year. It's true. That is a heck of a, a potential weapon. With Deshaun Watson being your quarterback next year. Next year, this might be a different story. But this year, the Cleveland Browns are going to suck ass again. So, um, yeah, I mean, just back to being Cleveland. It's like literally back to being Cleveland. Another one, Baker Mayfield took him to a playoff game and they won that shit in Pittsburgh. I know. They made Big Ben cry. That was so nice. They made Baker Mayfield made Big Ben cry. Yeah. And now the Browns are the one with a, a quarterback with a sexual assault history. That's that is very true. It's the AFC North, dude. It's the AFC North. I don't know. Something it's something true. in the water. Something, <laughs> something in the water. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but with that being said, speaking of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'll let you go ahead and uh, take it over, my friend. Thank you very much, my good sir, and great job on those Browns. It's Like you said, it's an interesting team to talk about, and it, it, it's normally an interesting team to talk about, but now it's a completely or interesting for a completely different reason. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but with that, yeah, we can go ahead and start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wait, 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 Ryan. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Before you start on the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, because it is the Pittsburgh Steelers, I have to ask you: Did you listen to Mac Miller's album that just got dropped? Dude, no, but I saved it, and I need to. I I thought it was a new album at first, but I guess it's a mixtape that got just got put on streaming. Yeah, yeah. So it's his first mixtape from before Blue Side Park. Uh, his family uh, gave permission to re-upload it. Um, to all those uh, streaming services. That makes me happy. Okay, yeah, because that was kind of my first question was like, you know, like, did the family okay this? Like, what was the situation here for this to be released? But yeah, that, I'm I'm very excited to check that out and definitely a Pittsburgh drawback there. Uh, shout out yeah. to Mac Miller. I had to. I had to. We're talking about the Steelers, talking about talking about the P. Got to bring up Mac Measy. So, um, but anyway. With with that being said, I'll let you officially start. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. Rest in peace, Magnolia. And, of course, the GM for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Omar Khan, uh, just got put into office a couple uh, months ago now, I think, what, March or April. 
uh, or some point in the offseason here. And, um, yeah, I mean, a little too early to give any grades on what he's doing, but uh, hopefully he can be the next great GM for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then head coach, on the other hand, uh, you have Mike Tomlin, who's been there for over a decade now, um, and he has not had a losing season in his career, very interestingly. And obviously part of that due to uh, having Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback, there's a little bit of a floor to be had there. And he's just been so consistently on the field um, other than what 2020, where he had that elbow thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, obviously some of that goes to Ben and then a lot of it also goes to Mike Tomlin for being such a consistent, uh, great head coach. So uh, their draft, they started off with the quarterback at the 20th pick in the first round, Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of pit. Um, uh, you know, obviously you love the uh, pit to Steelers connection. Uh, I think the pit, like I, I read that the pit um, training facility is like less than 15 minutes away from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, facility as well. So just a, a, you know, hometown kid that can hopefully become the next uh, franchise quarterback for the Steelers. And we'll have to see there. Their second pick, number 52, George Pickens, a wide receiver out of Georgia. Uh, great pick there. Somebody who uh, they're going to have to see uh, if he can, um, when it, kind of a classic Steelers wide receiver pick too, you know, a very talented wide receiver who fell a little bit, a little bit because of character concerns. And so there's a little bit of a, a risk that you're taking there. But I think that when you look at the track record of them drafting players of that archetype and then the success they've had, I mean, other than you talk about like Antonio Brown having a fucking aneurysm every game. But, um, you know, Pickens it has a pretty high likelihood of working out over there in Pittsburgh. And number three, or round three, number 84, DeMarvin Leal, a defensive lineman out of Texas A&M. I really like this pick. He's got a lot of ver- uh, versatility. Big old dude, uh, but could stand to uh, gain a little bit more, especially as he moves into the NFL. Um, and if they're going to put him on the inside, I think he's like 280-some pounds right now and like 6'4". Um, so he has the ability to be both on the outside and inside. Um, and then round four, number 138, Calvin Austin the third another wide receiver out of Memphis, more of a straight line guy or potentially slot. Um, and then round six, 208, Connor Hayward, tight end out of Michigan State. That's Cameron Hayward's brother. So that's kind of a fun pick, but uh, he's a good player too. And he's got some versatility as well. He took some snaps at uh, halfback as well as tight end at Michigan State. Uh, and then did a lot on special teams. And I assume that that will continue in the NFL. And round seven, 225, Mark Robinson, linebacker out of Ole Miss. Some nice depth there. And then finally, round seven, 241, Chris Oladakun, quarterback out of South Dakota State. So moving on to their key departures, obviously you talk about Ben Roethlisberger, the franchise quarterback, been there since what, like, was it 2004 that he was in the draft? uh 2003 same as eli and okay. philip rivers so yeah. it might have been before it's yeah somewhere around there but i mean you know a longtime veteran one of the oldest quarterbacks in the league prior to his retirement um and then you know obviously going to be a big hole left there and that's one of the biggest questions for this team uh second player here joe hayden a cornerback who played 54 percent of the snaps and another veteran for the Steelers team who was there for a while after coming over from the Browns, Joe Schobert, who actually same situation came over from the Browns, 
was a linebacker, and he played 79% of the snaps. Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver. Uh, Juju only played 18% of the snaps last year. I was like, surprised by that. I know. I was like, I don't know if he was injured and I missed it, but like that seemed suspiciously low. I also think Juju just like stays with that drama. So true. Good luck in Kansas City. It was kind of funny when I was doing uh, my research for this breakdown and reading a bunch of articles and reading interviews and looking at the roster and all that. And I was looking at um, Ben Roethlisberger, an article talking about his retirement. And he was going on about a monologue about how he felt like the game of football has changed from a team sport to a me sport. And like the image that immediately flashed in my head when I read those words was Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the team logos and shit. Dude, oh, right. dances. And I'm like, that's like exactly what he's talking about. Uh, and like, I don't want to say no names. I don't want to say no names, but like specifically that guy. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the next player here on their departures, uh, tight end Eric Ebron played 21% of their snaps. Tri Turner, the right guard, played 92%. James Washington, a wide receiver, played 40%. And then Ray Ray McLeod, another wide receiver, played 45%. Um, so obviously a lot of wide receivers gone there in the offseason. Um, but we can take a look at how they filled in those spots as we look at the roster here. So starting at quarterback, uh, you are looking at the presumed starter at the moment is Mitchell Trubisky, who they brought over uh, from Buffalo. Uh, you know, obviously uh, was drafted, I think, second overall in 2017 by the Bears um, and then just did not work out with the Bears over a few years. Um, They sent him over to Buffalo in free agency where he sat behind Josh Allen for a year. And I think it's an interesting situation because we don't, he's an unknown quantity at this point. I think he left the bears with like still some raw potential, but he had shown enough bad that I think most teams in the league were ready to say like, we don't even want to try with him. So, you know, it'll be interesting uh, if he, to see how much he improved, if at all, Uh, over his time at Buffalo. And you talk about that Buffalo coaching staff too, developing Josh Allen, clearly one of the better uh, staffs at being able to do that. um, As you look at how Josh Allen has developed and like the strides that he's made in a very short time in his career. Um, So yeah, that'll be interesting. But if he doesn't make it behind him is your brand new draft pick, Kenny Pickett out of pit, as we talked about before, Mr. Small hands. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think at this point, when you're looking at Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, uh, it's just kind of either or. Uh, whichever one can prove themselves, you're going to be happy with. But uh, at this point, you don't know if you have a uh, franchise, you know, long-term quarterback on your roster or not. Uh, behind them, Mason Rudolph still sticking around with that little dent in his head uh, from getting hit with the helmet by Miles Garrett. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I we'll have to see how the cuts. Uh, you know, end up, but I would not actually be surprised to just see Mason Rudolph cut. Uh, And then at running back, you were looking at Najee Harris, your first round pick out of Bama from last year. Absolute beast. Uh, And, you know, limited by his offensive line uh, last year, frankly. And so I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Um, And yeah. And then behind him, Benny Snow Jr. Coming back from some injury, uh, hopefully can be a solid spellback for Harris especially as they really used the hell out of Najee last year, which I was kind of concerned about. Like he had like 
I don't know if it was a record amount of touches, but he had like a, a shit ton of touches um, and like way more than average as a rookie. Uh, so I'm vaguely concerned about the longevity of his career if the Steelers keep that up. But uh, behind Benny Snow Jr., you have Anthony McFarland Jr. And then the tight end room, uh, Pat Fryermuth, a fan favorite. Uh, every single time he gets a catch, the uh, fans yell, move. It's kind of fun. Uh, behind him, Zach Gentry. And then we talked about Connor Hayward uh, coming in as your rookie there. And uh, at wide receiver, Deontay Johnson is going to lead out your room. Chase Claypool. Uh, also, I could have put Chase Claypool as the first wide receiver in this room, but I specifically chose not to because he said that he's the first wide receiver in his room. So, you know, just got to be a little bit mean to the division rivals. He did but, say he's top three. Oh, did he say top three? Uh, top, was he saying he, top three all in the league, though? Too? Yeah, he's saying uh, top three all in the league. Stop. Stop, Chase. Anyways, George Pickens uh, is your rookie coming in there uh, at the third spot. And then Calvin Austin, your second rookie, that uh, slot speed guy. And behind them, they brought in two different wide receivers. First one from Baltimore, Miles Boykin, who uh, is has been okay for the Baltimore Ravens, just kind of can get you a catch here and there. Um, and then Gunnar Olsolski from New Orleans, who has been a uh, special teams ace and has started to come on a little bit more in the offensive game, um, but I don't know how much he'll be involved there with the uh, Steelers. So moving on to their offensive line, at la- uh, left tackle, you're looking at Dan Moore Jr. Behind him, Joe Haig, and then Jake Dixon as an undrafted free agent. Left guard, Kevin Dotson, and then Kendrick Green and Nate Gillum. And at center, you bring in Mason Cole over from Minnesota, J.C. Hausenauer, and then Chris Owens is an undrafted free agent. Right guard, you have James Daniels coming over from Chicago and John LeBlu. And then right tackle, you have Shukwuma Okorafor. That was a tough one. Trent Scott uh, comes over from uh, Carolina as well. And then Chaz Green. And uh, yeah, I mean, this offensive line, obviously we talked about Najee Harris and being limited by that offensive line. Um, and then you look at the departures, you lose Tri Turner there, and then you bring in uh, a few guys. Mason Cole, you're starting center now, and then James Daniels uh, into replace uh, Tri Turner there at right guard. And then uh, some depth over there with Trent Scott coming over from Carolina. So, like, this line is partially rebuilt, but like not really. And the people that they brought in are um, there. So, you know, we're just going to have to see how that works out with the offensive line of the Steelers. I think that, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm genuinely a little bit concerned about Najee Harris and his longevity. Uh, you look at um, freaking, we were just talking about him with the Giants, uh, Saquon Barkley, and how his career has gone so far. And you look at the lackluster offensive line he's had, how that's limited his production running-wise, it's limited his production passing-wise. And it's also been the direct cause of uh, multiple of his injuries. And so, you know, I think that uh, Najee Harris could potentially end up suffering a similar fate um, if the Steelers don't get that taken care of. And it's kind of ironic because the Steelers less than three years ago were looked at one of those te- as one of those teams that just perennially or perennially had like a top offensive line. You talk about like the Steelers, the Saints, the Cowboys, teams like that 
they were in that conversation. And now for two years in a row, they've had just a, an abysmal uh, line and it's uh, kind of sad to see. So we will have to see uh, if this newly, you know, rebuilt a little bit offensive line could be any better. Uh, moving on to the defense here, they run a 3-4 scheme primarily. So starting off with our safeties here, Minka Fitzpatrick, who received a four-year $73.6 million contract extension with $36 million guaranteed this offseason. Uh, so, you know, obviously well-deserved. I think we covered that on the show. Uh, one of the better safeties in the entire league. I think that was good enough for him to be the top paid safety in the entire league as well. Um, and yeah, he finds a home there in uh, Pittsburgh after leaving the Dolphins. And then behind him, you bring in Demonte Kazi uh, from Dallas, who I expect to be more of kind of a nickel uh, guy that comes in and less so just straight up safety and Donovan Steiner. And then at strong safety, you saw Terrell Edmonds, Miles Killebrew, and then Carl Joseph. And cornerback, you're looking at Levi Wallace, comes over from Buffalo. Behind him, Akello Witherspoon, who was traded uh, from the 49ers. Sutton Cameron, Trey Norwood, James Pierre, and then Justin Lane. And then inside linebacker, Devin Bush, your first-round pick from a couple years ago. Miles Jack comes over in free agency uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Huge pickup there. Arguably, Miles Jack is their best uh, inside linebacker. And then Buddy Johnson, Robert Spillane, and Ulysses Gilbert III, which I was not going to include on this list, but I just loved the name Ulysses Gilbert III so much that I uh, put him on there anyway. So Edge, you're looking at TJ Watt, and then Alex Highsmith on the other side of them. Uh, they bring in Jannard Avery from Philadelphia. Derek Tuska, who's a former Bronco, and then Tusk, uh, Tuzar Skipper, rather, and Delonte Scott. And then at defensive end, you bring in Larry Ogunjobi from Cincinnati, uh, you know, really nice veteran there, Chris Wormley, and then Isaiah Loudermilk. And at nose tackle, you're starting Tyson Alualu, Montrevious Adams, and Carlos Davis. And then defensive tackle, Cameron Hayward, uh, brother of Connor Hayward, who we talked about earlier, and DeMarvin Leal, your rookie, coming in there, as well as Henry Mondreau. And at kicker, Chris Boswell, the longtime veteran, and uh, punter Presley Harvin III, who I absolutely love. He's just like a little chunky punter. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that is just about going to do it for the roster here. Yeah, so Enrique, what are your thoughts on this Steelers roster? Well, I think my first thoughts on the Steelers roster are, unfortunately, I'm not a big believer in their quarterback position right now. Um, but I do absolutely love the George Pickens pick. Like, I love that more than a lot of different picks in the draft. Um, I think he's going to do great up there. Um, I also think that bringing in a rookie quarterback and a rookie, rookie wide receiver at the same time is always a good move. That just gives them an opportunity to develop together and, you know, gain that trust and learn the NFL rule together, um, which I think is going to work out great. Plus, I heard George Pickens is tearing it up right now in training camp. So mm -hmm. I'm definitely excited to see um, to see more of that, see how Pickens works out. And, um, yeah, all in all, I mean, T.J. Watts there. You got Cam Hayward there. You got his brother there, which is going to be uh, – you always got to love when two brothers can play together. Yeah. Uh, especially on the same team. But otherwise, I think 
I think the Steelers got a great roster. I just think they need to um, see how some of these guys develop. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a transition year. I don't think it's going to be a year where they're pushing for the playoffs for sure, but I think it's a transition year for sure. And I think they have a roster to at least win some games that, you know, they might not win. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And uh, one point that I love that you brought up because it made me realize I forgot something was uh, the brothers being on the same team. You talk about the Hayward brothers and J.J. Watt uh, on your edge there, one of the better or best uh, edge players in the entire league. Um, I forgot that the Steelers have a fullback named Derek Watt, who is J.J. Watt's brother, uh, who was also on this team, but I skipped over him. So just after last week, I was talking about not skipping the fullbacks. So thank you, Enrique, for bringing that point up and refreshing my memory. Because, um, yeah, that is kind of a fun fact. You got two sets of brothers uh, on the Steelers team. And, yeah, I totally agree. I definitely think it's going to be a transition year for them. So moving into the storylines for this roster, uh, it's their first season without Ben Roethlisberger. How can the Steelers rebound at the QB position and who will be the starter? And, you know, obviously we talked about that. It's just going to come down to how much has Mitchell Trubisky developed. Um, if he's clearly, uh, you know, obviously as a multi-year uh, veteran at this point, you would hope that Mitchell Trubisky is the clear uh, winner in that competition. But if he's not, and you're talking about Kenny Pickett uh, coming in, you know, I think number one, that gives you the opportunity to say, okay, Mitchell isn't it. We can get rid of him or uh, at least find another, um, because you could find a cheaper backup solution than Mitchell Trubisky. And then secondarily, um, you know, obviously that's a good sign for Kenny Pickett if he's out there uh, outperforming a veteran already in his first year. So we will just have to see. Uh, and then second storyline, the wide receiver room exodus. Uh, you talk about three wide receivers leaving. Uh, when you look at those key departures, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, and G uh, Ray Ray McLeod, uh, you know, leaving you with uh, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Um, the big names out of that, that uh, previous year's pool that are still left there. Um, and then you did draft some uh, to uh, help that room out. Hopefully we don't know that they're necessarily going to be effective in their first year. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see, like you said, George Pickens already tearing it up in camp. So, uh, you know, crossing your fingers there. And then the third storyline, uh, despite some additions, the cornerback room sticks out like a sore thumb on this roster as the biggest weakness on paper uh, no definitive one number one corner. Now, I mean, I guess I will say I, I should have prefaced with uh, biggest weakness outside of quarterback because that is true. If you don't have a star quarterback, that's pretty much your number one hole on the roster for any team. Um, but other than that, cornerback, you're looking at Levi Wallace, who came over from Buffalo, and then we talked about Akella Witherspoon getting traded from the 49ers. And behind that, you got a, lo a lot of young guys. Uh, that you're just relying on there. And both uh, Levi Wallace and Kayla Witherspoon are not proven players. They've been in the league. They've done some good stuff, but they've been inconsistent, uh, especially when you talk about Kayla Witherspoon. Uh, you know, he's shown some real potential and even number one cornerback potential. But uh, in order to reach that, he's got to be consistent. He's got to be that dude uh, in this room. And, you know, even if Akella Witherspoon steps up, you're still looking pretty dang thin in this cornerback room. So um, that's a that's a big red flag for me. And then number four, we talked about this as well, a rebuilt offensive line. 
with multiple offseason conditions, can they improve on a bad 2021 campaign? Um, and yeah, we'll just have to see. They made some additions. Like I said, the additions that they made, you talk about Mason Colon, Minnesota, talk about James Daniels from Chicago, uh, Trent Scott from Carolina. Not super inspiring additions, right? Not anything that on paper flips your uh, feeling on this room, on this offensive line room, um, or even on the position, to be honest with you. I mean, at right guard with James Daniels, like, do you have that short up even? <laughs> you know what I mean? After Tri Turner left? Um, it's one of those things. So we're going to have to see, uh, hopefully, for the Steelers' sake, they outplay my expectations for them. But my expectations for them is that this is not going to be a good offensive line uh, for another year and potentially put Najee Harris and those running backs and your new quarterback uh, or quarterbacks at risk. That's certainly not going to help your rookie with uh, getting a bunch of pressure down his throat. So, um, but that is going to do it for our storylines. And then we can run through their schedule here. So the 2021 record for the Pittsburgh Steelers was nine, seven and one. Um, and yeah, like we talked about, you know, Mike Tomlin able to escape even a single losing season throughout his career um, just by one game in 2021. And this Steelers team had no right winning nine games, like, especially with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so that, that was a good season for them, for sure. Um, in, it was a solid roster, especially before some of those additions that they uh, are coming into this year with. So their first game at the Cincinnati Bengals, I have that as a loss. Week two versus the Patriots. I do have that as a win, but I have it as a big game that I think could go either way because I do think that the Patriots at least have a more proven quarterback situation. Um, and you know, like the Patriots, you can't, you can't count them out, especially in a game that's going to be close like this. Um, so, you know, I do have the Steelers taking that, but that could go either way. Uh, number three at the Cleveland Browns, that's a Thursday game on top of that. Um, I know that Enrique, I think you had this as a win, right? For the Steelers. I think for me, when I look at this game, I don't know. I think it could go either way because obviously for either team, you don't have that uh, defined quarterback in in position, but I think I view the Browns overall roster at least as stronger than the Steelers. And so to me, I think the Browns still sweep the Steelers even without a quarterback. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think that's a pretty fair call. I was actually um, like when you were just going through the storylines of the team there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, didn't necessarily know they were that down bad on wide receivers. And so that kind of like being down on wide receivers and on corners, um, it does make me, does make me lean a little bit towards the Cleveland side. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny because you thought about the Steelers as like a top wide receiver room as early as last year, right? Like that was the, the general thought. And then you yeah. look at this roster and you're like, Oh, they let all of them walk. <laughs> They're gone. So, yeah, it's it's kind of funny, like, just how quickly things change like that. And, um, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting game that I think could go either way, especially when you're talking about two teams without a proven quarterback. So it's going to come down to the rest of the roster and um, what they can do. So, But uh, number four, or week four, I should say, versus your New York Jets, Enrique, um, I have this as a loss. I think that the Jets can take that, um, you know, even in Cle – or I'm sorry, even in uh, Pittsburgh, rather – um, I do think that's a big game that maybe if the Steelers just played lights out or, uh, you know, either Mitchell or um, 
uh, Kenny is playing better than we expect them to, especially that early in the season, um, then it could be competitive. But, uh, you know, I think with Zach Wilson coming in established uh, with a better roster around him, like you said, you were already holding top offensive teams uh, and beating them uh, in, in the Bengals and uh, a couple teams there. And then you improved your defense. So, yeah, I have that as a loss. Week five at Buffalo Bills, that's a loss as well. Week six versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's a loss. Week seven versus Miami Dolphins. Now, I have this one as a win. And again, I think this is a big game that could go either way. And frankly, the more I feel about it, I, or the more I think about it, I lean towards the Dolphins to take it. Um, but yeah, I think that could go either way. Week eight at Philadelphia Eagles, I have that as a loss. I think the Eagles are a better team, especially with Jalen Hurts. Um, but I do have that, that ha- do have that as a big game as well uh, that is technically winnable. And then they get their bye week in week nine after that. Week 10 versus the New Orleans Saints, have that as a loss. Week 11 versus the Bengals, loss. Week 12 at the Indianapolis Colts, loss. Week 13 at the Falcons, I have that as a win. Uh, week 14 versus the Baltimore Ravens, I have that as a loss, uh, but a big game that at home, maybe, maybe, but the Ravens are well improved as well. And Lamar Jackson, like you said, on a contract year, probably going to be on a war path. Uh, we'll just have to see there. Week 15 at Carolina Panthers. I have that as a win and a big game, but that's a tough one too with Baker Mayfield, especially you're talking about coming towards the end of the season after he's gotten in there, played some games, started to uh, meld with this Panthers team. Um, yeah, that could go either way. And then week 16, Las Vegas Raiders, loss. Week 17 at the Baltimore Ravens, loss. Week 18 versus the Cleveland Browns, loss. So, all in all, that is going to bring us to a 2022 prediction of 4-13 and 13 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like I alluded to when we were talking about the Browns, I, I went through this schedule, and then I came out with four wins at the end, and I was like, dang, like, I've got to be being too harsh. You know what I mean? There's got to be another game in here that I can look at that maybe they can pull off. Um, and I went through it and I went through it and it's just a tough, tough schedule. It really is. Um, you know, we talked about it, this division this year in their schedule, they're facing the AFC North, they're facing the AFC East and the AFC South, plus the NFC South teams. And then for the uh, Steelers specifically, they're also facing the Eagles uh, out of the NFC East. And so, yeah, I mean, that's just brutal, man. Their two quotations easiest games on the entire schedule are the Falcons and the Panthers. Like, I think, I don't even know what you could even put in the conversation other than that. I mean, in technicality, if you want to talk about, um, I guess maybe the Browns would be considered one of their easier games without Deshaun Watson. Um, And then in technicality, I guess you consider the Jets if you're looking at their previous year's record. But like we both talked about, they're improved enough that I don't think that that's going to be the case either. So this is just a really, really, really tough schedule. Um, And then the second thought I have here with decent QB play, splitting with the Browns and the Ravens and beating the Dolphins, Eagles, Jets, and Patriots becomes much more reasonable. Uh, But, you know, with that question at quarterback, I can't, I can't for sure say that this team can beat the Dolphins or the Eagles or the Jets or the Patriots. And I think the Ravens is, is a reach, 
uh, to be honest with you, even, you know, if one of them is playing well, just because Lamar uh, going into that contract year, you know, getting a bunch of players back from injury. And yeah, I mean, I let me tell you, I'm sorry, Steelers fans. I'm sure you hate me right now, but I scraped through this schedule and I was like, there's got to be something. There's got to be like some more games that they can pull off than four. But no, it, it, it just sucks. <laughs> So, what are your feelings on the schedule, Enrique? Um, honestly, I I thought you were being nice about it. Um, yeah. I I I do think that there's a chance that just like the Browns, these guys could only win two games. Yeah. And the only reason the only reason I'm saying that is because I don't have them beating the Dolphins. Yeah. And I'm I'm I guess a, a believer in that, like the Cam Newton. Um, you know, Russell Wilson coming in as a rookie quarterback and play on fire. I don't think that that happens as often as we'd like. Yeah. I think Kenny Pickett's going to struggle. I think Mitch Trubisky is trash. And I think that, um, I think the Steelers are fucked. But I do think that even though um, Kenny Pickett's going to struggle this year, I, I'm not like, not sold on him. I'm just not sold on him being a rookie quarterback this year. Um, and even more so, I think the Ravens, if Lamar plays the way I think Lamar can play, I think the Ravens low-key could be a dark horse Super Bowl contender. I really do think that they loaded up on their team um, in dramatic fashions um, with Lindenbaum and um, what's that fucking safety you guys drafted? Uh, Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton. I'm so sorry, Kyle Hamilton. So sorry. Um, but yeah, I just think that like besides the wide receiver room, um, that's the Ravens biggest, biggest, um, problem, but the Ravens have always found a way to negate, uh, negate their weaknesses and turn them into strengths. So I'm sure they'll figure it out, but yeah, I think, um, I think it's going to be a real reach for the Steelers team to get past four wins. And like I said, I thought. I thought four wins was um, being generous. Yeah, no, and I, I honestly agree because it's like I said, it was one of those things where I get all the way through it and I'm just like, damn, like there's nothing where we can get out of this. But then I look through it and I'm like, they're, they're not, they're probably not beating the Ravens, like you said, especially with how they loaded up and Lamar in that contract year. Colts got Matt Ryan, Bengals are defending Super Bowl champions. The Browns have a heck of a roster, even if they don't have a quarterback. The Saints still have a heck of a roster, even if they don't have technically a quarterback. The Eagles are much better. The Buccaneers have Tom Brady. The Dolphins are much better. The Bills are a Super Bowl contender. The Jets are much better. Like, Jesus, man. Like, <laughs> even the Patriots. That's a, that's a reach right there. The, I think the Patriots game, game is a reach. Yeah, I think it's a reach for sure. Like, I was just like, I, I got to throw him a bone here somewhere, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I could very easily see it. So at that point, you're almost talking about the conversation of, like you said, with the Browns, um, even though they have Sean Watson, so they probably wouldn't realistically do it, but the Steelers, certainly if uh, they get through the season and win two games between Mitchell Trubisky and uh, Kenny Pickett, you got to think that they would be uh, eyeing Bryce Young or some of those quarterbacks uh, in this upcoming draft. So we will definitely have to see with that. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, overall looking at the AFC North, I think that this was one of uh, 
our most anticipated divisions to go through. And I think that, at least for me, and obviously I want to hear your thoughts, Enrique, but I think that the Ravens and the Bengals were exactly what I thought they were, you know what I mean? And delivered on my expectations as far as the breakdown. And uh, But with the Steelers and the Browns, I think I was a little bit surprised with their situations and, um, you know, just how unfortunate they may be in this upcoming season. Uh, despite, it's not like they have like, completely horrible rosters they just have particular situations that are not conducive to winning right now um and so both the Steelers and the Browns are uh looking to play well below what you would necessarily initially think looking at the roster um so yeah yeah I mean I I and I definitely agree dude and I think that one thing that this should show people is like the quarterback position is the most important position in sports. Like wholeheartedly, it just is because like you, when we added Deshaun Watson to the Browns and we were talking about a potential, you know, if he gets suspended six games, like that literally bumped him up four wins. You know what I mean? And you can kind of, you can point to a similar situation in this. That's my biggest hesitancy uh, on picking the Steelers for any of these games is because they have a rookie quarterback. And, like, if this was a highly touted rookie quarterback, like if this was a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach Wilson or even a Justin Fields, right? I, I probably wouldn't feel this way. Um, but since it's fucking small hands, Kenny Pickett, like, <laughs> come on now. He doesn't even have big hands, Ryan. <laughs> so I, I worry about that. And, um, yeah, I think that the biggest – Besides the fact that neither of the teams have quarterbacks right now, well, the Browns do, but he's just in trouble. Um, I think the biggest surprise is that, like, when you look at these rosters from, like, a non-breakdown point of view and you just, like, look at, like, you're just like, oh, the Steelers are playing. You might not realize that the corners are so bad. And then, right. and then on the Brown side, um, you know, you might not realize that, hey, like, the Browns don't have anyone to throw to besides Amari Cooper. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you could say the same thing about the Steelers. I think the Steelers have a few more options than the Browns do, truthfully, because I think, I think George Pickens is going to be that dude. I think he's going to be that motherfucking dude. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, like, from the outside looking in on both those teams, um, you might, like, think that, hey, like, it's good to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. We went 9-7 last year. You got uh, T.J. Watt tearing it up on one side. You know, you got um, Najee Harris tearing it up on the offensive side for you. But, yeah, I, I think there's a little trouble in paradise brewing. And I do think that this is setting up for, one, uh, Mike Tomlin to have his worst season literally ever. And, two, I think this is setting up to um, give Mike Tomlin, like, a top five draft pick, you know, like, which – Tomlin's never had ever. So um, it might be a nice retool for the Steelers. Um, and even if you don't feel like you need a top five draft pick, if you get one, then you can trade down. And I, and I think the Steelers are in a similar position to the Browns that if they were to trade down from the top five, they'd be able to retool that roster and be right back into playoff contention. You know, like I don't think yeah. they're, I think they're like a decent quarterback away and they might have that quarterback and Kenny Pickett might be good. I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, it's absolutely a great point. And 
Um, yeah, it's it's just going to depend on the quarterbacks, and we have to wait and see. You know, like you said with Mitchell Trubisky, I, I don't think he's going to be it. And so you're really looking at Kenny Pickett to be that guy, but especially in his rookie season, that's a lot to ask for. And especially the fact that, like you said, he's not one of those uh, guys that's been touted throughout college. It's like, this is one of the top quarterbacks. He's going to be successful in the NFL. This was a weak quarterback class, and he was the most pro-ready quotations out of this particular class. So he doesn't have the highest ceiling of the quarterbacks in this class. He might be the best to play immediately, which is what it's working in his favor in um, kind of a Mac Jones mold in that sense. Uh, but, you know, it's you just kind of got to throw your hands up in the air and you're just like, we'll see. Other than that, it's really, really difficult to uh, even give them four wins, you know, let alone probably less than that. So uh, with that, that'll about do us for the first part of today's show. Come right along with us into the Mile High Fight Show as we recap the Blades versus Aspinall Fight Night and preview UFC 277, the home of the long-awaited rematch between Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. Also, if you want to keep up with the shows and be part of our weekly question segment, find us on social media, on Instagram and TikTok. We are at Mile High Flight Show. And then on Twitter, we are at MHFS Podcast. And YouTube is just the show title, Mile High Flight Show. And lastly, we've got merch. Check us out on Redbubble. It is at MHFS Podcast. And stay tuned for more coming soon. We love and appreciate every one of you that listens. And this has been the Mile High Flight Show.